Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc soap. All right, good morning, good morning, Fusion Church. Can you hear me all right? All right, it's going to be another good one. Today we are in Acts 9. Acts 9, we're going to be talking about Saul and his conversion um, into Christianity. Um, it's a really, really good chapter. Hey, listen, I think I think today's day 17 of the 21-day fast. Um, come on, guys, keep pressing in. We have a few more days. And I'm sure some of you guys are already licking your chops and you're like, oh, man, what's... What's what's that meal gonna be? What's uh where's where's that next cup of coffee? Oh, I can't wait. Listen, listen, this is tea, okay? So you know me. If y'all know me, I'm all about my bustello. So I cannot wait to have my first cup. But listen, all joking aside, keep pressing in. God is still revealing things, God is still opening doors, God is still performing miracles in people's lives during this time. So um, I just want to encourage you. 17 days. Y'all can handle four more. Amen. Amen. All right. So I'm going to pray and then we're going to jump right into it. Heavenly Father, we just worship you, Lord God. We just thank you, Lord. Once again, Father, for the opportunity just to, to fellowship and to, to dig into your word, Lord God, to dig into the, the works that you have done, Father, Lord, and so that we can use it as an example for our own lives, Father, because if you did it back then, Lord God, you will do it today, Lord. Be with us during this time, Father. Just speak to us. Reveal new things to us, Lord. And we just praise you for what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right. Let's give it a good stretch. Acts 9. And I am reading from the New King James Version. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goad. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him to, into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Verse 10. Now there was a certain disciple of, at Damascus named Ananias. And and to him, the Lord said in the vision, Ananias, and he said, here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. <clears throat> then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. 
But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered the house. And laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. So when he had received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. Verse 20, immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues that he is the son of God. Then all who heard were amazed and said, is this not he who destroyed those who called on, on this name in Jerusalem and has come here for that purpose that he might bring them bound to the chief priests? But, Paul, but Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus, proving that he, that this Jesus is the Christ. Now, after many days were passed, the Jews plotted to kill him, but their plot became known to Paul, and they watched the gates day and night to kill him. Then the disciples took him by night and let him down through the wall in a large basket. And when Saul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles, and he declared to him how he had seen the Lord on the road, that he had spoken to him, and how he had preached boldly in Damascus in the name of Jesus. So he was with them at Jerusalem, coming in and going out, and he spoke boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus, and disputed against the Hellenists, but they attempted to kill him. When the brethren found out, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him out to Tarsus. Then the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified, and walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they multiplied. Verse 32. Now it came to pass as Peter went through all parts of the country that he also came down to the saints who dwelt in Lydda. There he found a certain man named Anus, uh, who had been bedridden eight years and was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus of Christ heals you. Arise and make your bed. Then he arose immediately. So all who dwelt at Leda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. At Joppa, there was a certain disciple named Tabitha, which is translated Dorcas. This woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. But it happened in those days that she became sick and died when they had washed her and laid her in an upper room. And since Leda was near Joppa and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent two men to him, imploring him not to delay in coming to them. And then Peter arose and went with them. When he had come, they brought him to the upper room, and all the windows stood by widows stood by him weeping, showing the tunics and garments which Dorcas had made while she was with them. But Peter put them all out and knelt down and prayed, and turning to the body, he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. Then he gave her his hand and lifted her up. And when he had called the saints and widows, he presented her alive, and it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed on the Lord. So it was that he stayed many days in Joppa with Simon the Tanner. Amen. Amen. All right. Let's give it a stretch. There's a whole lot here, and we're not going to be able to cover everything, <clears throat> but we're really going to focus, <clears throat> excuse me, focus on the first part of this chapter, beginning with verse 1. Um, it says, then Saul. So prior to this chapter, um, we last see Saul in chapter eight of Acts, um, beginning with verse three. And it says, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. So here um, we're seeing that Saul, he's continuing to expand his work and he's going to be going on 
to Damascus. Um, says still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. You see, so this this picture of Saul is of an angry, violent man, absolutely convinced of his own self-righteous, absolutely convinced that what he was doing was right, right? And, and convinced that he was serving the Lord, serving God by hunting down um, followers of Christ. See, Saul, he hated the disciples of the Lord. And so we, we, we might say that, um, you know, he wasn't, you know, seeking Jesus at all. But we're going to see that Jesus was seeking him during this time. Even though he was persecuting the followers of Jesus, Jesus was still seeking him out. You know, Saul had decided against Jesus while Jesus had decided for Saul. So he goes to the high priest, you know, and, and, and asks for, you know, permission to continue his work of, of persecuting these, these followers. And, you know, and, and so he was doing this under the direct approval of the highest religious authorities, right? He asked to receive letters authorizing his mission to capture uh, Christians and to bring them before um the religious leaders, even to kill Christians who who refuse to 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 go against what Jesus says. See, even after Saul became a Christian, he still remembered his days as a persecutor. He remembered what he did. In Galatians one, uh, beginning with with, with uh, verse thirteen, he says, "For you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it." And I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in, in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my fathers. Saul was a very educated man. He was a part of this religious elite. You know, whether he was a Pharisee or a Sadducee, you know, it's I, I, I really don't know. But he was definitely well educated. OK, he was a contemporary of many um, well-known um philosophers of that day you know so Saul wasn't just some some regular dude all right he wasn't some 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 guy off the street okay so when he so when he goes to the religious leaders and asks like hey can I do this because according to Judaism what what Christianity was was a, a direct insult to Judaism and Saul knew this so going to the religious leaders of course they're gonna say yes yes you're following the mandate of God. They're they are preaching heresy against God in their eyes because they did not see Jesus as the fulfillment of the law, right? So as soon as he says, hey, I want to do this, here's a letter, go do it. Again, he was a highly educated man, you know, and he, he thought Christianity was both wrong and de deceptive, okay? But, but, you know, he may have been taken his, his example from from Phineas in the book of Numbers, okay? And, and, and going into uh, the month of February, we're gonna begin the book of Numbers through our soap. And we're gonna read about this guy who, who there, was a, there was an immoral man and woman. And, and this guy, Phineas, he killed them. And, he on, and God honored what he did by stopping this immorality happening in the camp, you know? And, and by doing that, a plague was stopped. So, so maybe thought maybe maybe Saul thought he was trying to stop um, uh, uh, a plague of false religion, 
right? In his eyes, he was trying to stop a plague that was going to destroy Judaism. And it talks about in verse two, if you found any who were of the way here, uh, Christianity is referred to as the way, right? This was the, the earliest name for the Christian movement, the way, you know, the, the, the name, the way means that, that Christianity is more than a belief or a set of, uh, of opinions or a set of doctrines. See, cause listen, brothers and sisters, we know that following Jesus is the way of living, Jesus Christ is the way of believing. And it's significant to see that, that there was a Christian community large enough in Damascus for Saul to be concerned about, right? You know, he because he, at this point, you know, Christianity was really in Jerusalem and just like the out, you know, the the the, the outlying areas of that, but it, had, it, it was spreading, you know? And so so Damascus. You know, it wasn't, uh, you know, uh, it was like, like like 600 miles away. It wasn't, a, you know, a quick trip, but it was like, hey, there are there are, there are these, these, these followers of the way. I have to go there. Christianity, the way, was spreading everywhere. So a saw is going down the road to Damascus. Verse 3 says, suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. And then verse 4 says, and he heard a voice. Somewhere outside of Damascus, um, this this suddenly, as it says in the word, happened. Right, this 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 spectacular event, you know, mustn't be regarded as something. Um, must be regarded as something that was unusual. This didn't just happen all the time, because God does not normally confront sinners with a heavenly light and an audible voice from heaven. This was a special event. Okay, and it says he fell down from the ground. Saul's reaction wasn't what what was was his reaction was was simply just a fall to the ground. And this wasn't this isn't um, because of uh, of honor or reverence to God. It was it was a reaction of survival. He was he was terrified. All right. This blinding, incredible heavenly light. Saul was scared. And that's why he fell. Right. And then it says uh, he heard a voice saying to him, now, this is significant. He heard an audible voice. The rabbis during Saul's time, they believed and they taught that God no longer spoke audibly to people. That was for the prophets in the Old Testament times. Right. God only spoke audibly to the prophets. He, according to them, he didn't do that anymore. So this was another way of God saying, the things that you guys are believing are absolutely wrong about me. You guys have it all twisted. But here, Saul is learning that God indeed has no problem with speaking directly with an individual. And it says, it says in, in uh, verse four, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? But w- when God repeats a name twice, it, it's really to show deep emotion. It wasn't like, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It was more like, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So as a heavenly light overwhelmed him, Saul was, was, was confronted by the true nature of his crime. Saul had been persecuting God 
not man. He had been persecuting Jesus Christ, not the people that he had thrown in jail, not the people that he had killed, not none of that. He was persecuting God. See, Saul thought he was serving God by viciously attacking Christians, but, but he discovered that he was actually fighting against God. After, you know, so so we, we see in history that those who are convinced that they're doing God's favor, but they're doing much of the persecution and, 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 and torture, but they're not doing it for God. They're just going against people. God never called for, for Saul to do any of this. And listen, we shouldn't only emphasize the 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 me and and uh and and the why are you persecuting me? We should also notice the why. He said, "Why? What is your reasoning? Why are you doing this, Saul? Why are you doing something that's so pointless?" And then he says in verse in um, verse five. I am Jesus. I am Jesus. Now, Jesus was a fairly common name in that day. Okay. For us, the name Jesus is, a, you know, you know, the, 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 the name of Jesus. We sing songs about the name of Jesus. You know, back in the day, Jesus was like Bob. You know what I'm saying? You know, Jesus was, was <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Jesus was like Doug. It was like Mike. It was everyone was named Jesus, right? See, but by saying, I am Jesus, the ascended Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazareth, needed no further identification. As soon as he said, I am Jesus, Saul knew exactly who was speaking to him. And in all probability, um, and, and we don't know this for, for, for a fact, but Saul may have heard Jesus at some point teach in Jerusalem. Saul may have been a member of the Sanhedrin, and he may have been present at the judgment and the trial of Jesus before his crucifixion, okay? Because Saul was an educated man and a part of, of, you know, the religious elite. So in all likelihood, Saul was there. So when he heard the voice, he probably had already heard Jesus speaking. So there was not a no, no no doubt in his mind who was talking to him. Then he says, Who are you, Lord? And then in verse six, Lord, what do you want me to do? He responded with two of the most important questions anyone can and must ask. Most most everyone um, has questions they would like to ask God, right? You know, if, if God was right in front of you. And, you know, you were having a face-to-face -face conversation with God. You know, we all have some questions we would like to ask him. You know, there, was, there was a poll back in the 90s, and they asked, you know, this exact question, what would you ask God? And, and the, the top ones were, were um, will there ever be wor world peace? How can I be a better person? What does the future hold for my family and me? Will there ever be a cure for all diseases? Why is there suffering in the world, right? Those are questions that we might ask God. But it's, it's strange that people would want to ask God those questions when those questions have already been answered in the Bible. We know the answer to all those questions. But, but those aren't the most important questions to ask. 
See, here Saul, he asked the right questions. Who are you, Lord? We must ask this question with a humble heart and ask it to God. Jesus, he showed us exactly who God is. And Jesus has, can answer this question for us. Paul, you know, Saul, who later would become Paul, he spent the rest of his life wanting to know more completely the answer to this question. Philippians 3.10, he says, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. What do you want me to do? Few, few of us really are brave enough to ask that question. Like, God, what do you want me to do? But when we ask it, we must ask it with submission. We must ask it with obedience. Saul's question was personal. Lord, what do you want me to do? A lot of us, we're, we're interested in what, what God wants other people to do, right? If someone comes to us like, oh, I feel like the Lord wants me to do this. Man, that's amazing. Awesome. Come, I, you know, I'm championing you. I'm praying for you. Go, go do that. But how often do we say, Lord, what do you want me to do? What is your mission for me? What's the calling for me? And then he, Jesus, he, he says, it is hard for you to kick against the goad. So the goad was a large stick with a pointy end that um, people would, would, would jab on the back legs of, of an ox to get the ox going. And so essentially, Saul was the ox and Jesus was the farmer. Saul was this stupid, stubborn animal, yet he was valuable in the master's plan. Jesus goaded Saul in the right direction. And that goading caused Saul pain. And something was goading his conscience. Despite all his outward confidence, there was something bothering Saul inside. And the unease may have started with Stephen's prayer. Stephen was the first martyr of the Christian church. And two chapters prior to this, in Acts 7, you know, Stephen, you know, he's he's martyred for his faith, you know, and his preaching of, uh, of Jesus Christ. And then verse uh, chapter 7 of Acts, beginning with verse 57, says, Then they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears, and ran to him with one accord. And they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Saul was present. And I would argue, no matter what you believe, whatever your faith would have been at that time, hearing someone so con convinced of their faith in Jesus Christ that they were willing to die has to do something to your soul has to do something to the inside of you to make you question that man is so is just as convinced of his faith as I am of mine maybe Saul's feelings were starting to waver a little bit it says that he was trembling and astonished. The fact that he was trembling and astonished by 
by all of this reminds us that it is not always pleasant to encounter heaven dramatically. Saul was terrified by this experience. He wasn't oozing with warm feelings. And this encounter with Jesus, he, this is where, where, where Saul, he, he learned the gospel that he would soon be preaching for the rest of his life. Galatians 1 verse 11 says, But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from a man, nor was I taught it, but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. Moving on to verse 10, it says, Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. We don't know anything about Ananias, right? From either before or after this meeting. But he was, he, was a, he was a follower of Jesus. It says he was a certain disciple. He was an ordinary man, right? He wasn't an apostle, a prophet. He wasn't a pastor. He wasn't an evangelist, an elder. He wasn't a deacon of the church. He was a regular dude. Yet God used him because he was an ordinary man. See, if, if an apostle or, or another prominent disciple had ministered to Saul, people might have said, you know, Saul received the gospel from a man instead of Jesus. See, Jesus, God, he never, he, he, God needs to use certain disciples sometimes, certain people, average people. And there's a special work for them to do. Brothers and sisters, if you ever look at yourself as an average person, as an average follower, I'm just going to church. I read my Bible. I get on the soap at 6 a.m. That's all I do. God can and will use you. It wasn't absolutely necessary for God to use a man like Ananias for this work in Saul's life. You know, because being a certain disciple, we can say that God used Ananias because God loves to use people. And Ananias was a willing servant. And Ananias, they had heard about Saul. Verse 12 says, Lord, I have heard from many about this man. The disciples that lived in Damascus, they knew about what's happening in Jerusalem. And I'm sure they heard that this man Saul was coming to Damascus and they were wet, that they were they were waiting for this persecution to begin. But God says he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name. God had a call on the life of Saul and he hadn't yet revealed it to Saul, but he had a calling on him. God considered Saul his chosen vessel long before he seemed to be anything that there, there, there seemed to be anything worthy in Saul. God still saw him as a worthy vessel. God knew that he could, that what he, he knew what he could make of Saul. Even when Saul or Ananias had no idea, they didn't. God knows what he can do with you. He says he's going to bear my name to Gentiles, kings, and even to Israel. This, is, this describes a broad outline of the, of the calling and the future work of this man, Saul, who was now blind and broken. And then it says in verse 17, Ananias went his way and entered the house. This took great courage from Ananias. So he had to overcome his fear. He had to overcome his suspicion so that he could go step into this house. 
It says he laid his hands on Saul and, says, Bro, and he called him Brother Saul. This act of laying hands and the words Brother Saul power, powerfully communicated the love of God. See, Saul, being blind, he couldn't see the love on Ananias' face, but he, but he could feel it through his touch. He could feel it through his words. He could feel it by him calling him brother. He says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. It seems that, that it was at this point that, that Saul was actually born again. Here's where he received the Holy Spirit and was healed from his blindness. This was a spiritual blindness as well as a physical blindness. He was healed. God did an effective job of breaking Saul, but it wasn't his intention to leave him broken. God wanted to break Saul so he could fill him and so that he could be remained filled. It says in verse 19, Saul spent some days with the disciples in Damascus. You know, so now Saul was numbered amongst the disciples and became friends with those who, had, who he had previously tried to, to imprison, to kill, to persecute. And this shows the, the remarkable, um, radical nature of transformation that Saul was able to change. And what's significant is that Saul spent three days blind, three days broken. He didn't eat. He didn't drink. I imagine during those three days, God was working on him. God was speaking to him. God was revealing things to him, preparing him, preparing his heart for what he was called to do. Paul regarded his, con his conversion experience as a, a pattern for all believers. First Timothy 1 Timothy uh, 1, 13 says, Although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. 16 says, however, for this reason, I obtained mercy that in me first, Jesus Christ might show all longsuffering as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. Paul's, if, if Paul's conversion is a pattern, then we can share in that experience. First, Jesus must confront us with himself, with our sin, with our, and with our rebellion, even with the, the sins that we've done in ignorance. Then as we put our faith in him, we must humbly wait for the work within us that only he can do. Saul's conversion reminds us that at his core, salvation is something God does in us. What we do is only in response to what God does in us. His conversion reminds us that God finds some who by all appearances are not looking for him at all. Seeing how God uh, reach Saul encourages us to believe that God can reach the people in our life that we think are very far from him. Who are those people in your life? That on the surface, there is no hope. No hope. And you've told yourself, yourself there's no way, no way they're ever going to believe in Jesus Christ. Saul is an example that God can reach anybody. Saul was a mass murderer, mass murderer, persecuted in prison and killed Christians. And God turned his life around. So as I close, and I want to encourage each, each and every one of you, as we're so close to completing this 21 days of, of prayer and fasting, 
Ask God the questions that Saul asked. Who are you, Lord? Who is he to you? Who, who is he? How has he revealed himself to be in your life? Ask him to show you who he is so that you can have a deeper understanding of him. So your relationship with him can get even closer. And ask this next question that is a very scary question to ask. Because if you ask the question, God just might answer it. What do you want me to do? What is the calling on my life? What is the work that you have for me? How can I serve you, Lord? How can I serve the church? How can I serve the kingdom of God? Those are two questions that are so important and that every believer should ask and get ready, especially as we've been fasting for the past 17 days and we got a few more days to go. That when you ask those questions and when he speaks, it'll probably be loud and clear. And then once you have those answers of who he is and what he wants you to do, now it's time for you to act on that and believe in faith that he will make a way where there seems to be no way. God may have put something on your heart. He may have put a ministry. He may, may have put a place to serve. He may, it may be in the mission field. Who knows? And you've been wrestling with it. You've been struggling with it. Have the boldness of Ananias. To look beyond the fear. And say, God, what do you want me to do? Ask the question that Saul asked. And when he tells you, Walk in faith, because if he told you to do it, he's going to be with you. All his, everything is yes and amen from God. If he told you to do something, he will make a way for you to do it. He will clear the pathways. He will open the doors that need to be opened. He will close the doors that need to be shut. And I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, when you are walking in, 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 with, with God by your side, when you're walking in boldness and faith and you know you're doing what he has called you to do, there's no greater feeling. There's no greater feeling. And then God will continue to show off and show you who he is. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we just thank you, Lord. We just thank you. Thank you. Thank you for who you are, Father. We thank you for, 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 for stories of like Saul, Father, who is an example to us, Father, that no matter how far we have fallen, no matter how far away we are from you, Lord God, you will make a way to bring us back home, Father. All we have to do is say, Lord, what do you want me to do? Who are you, Lord? What do you want me to do? And you will make the path clear. You will make the path straight. So, Father, we thank you for that promise, Lord God. I pray for my brothers and sisters, Lord, as we're, we're, we're getting to the end of this 21 days of prayer and fasting, Lord. I pray for the next four days, Father, that your words will be even louder. Your words will be even clearer, Father. The nodding, the, the prodding, the, the goading that you are doing to some of us, Father, will become so much clearer, Lord God. So that we can have the strength and the boldness to walk in, in, in what you have us to walk in, Lord God. So I thank you for this, Father, Lord. Let's continue to bless us, keep us, guide us, Lord, as we go about our days, Father, and we just go about serving you and your kingdom, Lord. We thank you for what you're doing in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen and amen. All right, guys. I love y'all, and I will see you next week. God bless.